This, this, this is you. K U T. K U T. Austin. Stop. I used to get mad at my school. Teachers that taught me were cool. Holding me down, turning me around, filling me up with your rules. To admit it's getting better, it's a little better all the time. Hello. And welcome to Higher Ed, KUT's podcast focusing on issues of higher education, lifelong learning, and exercising the brain. I'm Jennifer Staten with KUT 90.5, Austin's NPR station, talking as always with Dr. Ed Berger, president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. Hello, Ed. Hello, Jennifer. I'm, I, we're sitting across from each other in your um, in your studio here, and I see. Can I see that? Is that your ID? Yes. May I see that, please? It's from 2004 May when I, I started that? working here. Have you noticed that I look mad? A driver. <laughs> you look very serious. I would say serious and determined. I don't say mad. But isn't it amazing how driver's license um, pictures and ID card pictures are never the best oh, photographs no. in the world? You know what I mean? I totally agree. All right, so. I have in my hands, literally hot off the presses, I have a copy of a book, Mm. Making Up Your Mind, Thinking Effectively Through Creative Puzzle Solving. Oh, look who wrote it. Edward B. Berger. Wait, read the title again because you missed a word. Making Up Your Own Mind. Yes, that's very important. It is important. Thinking Effectively Through Creative Puzzle Solving. Well, yeah, especially when I get to the puzzler this week because I can't make up my own mind on that puzzler. But but it's funny. (laughs) The interesting thing about the way you read it was was that was the original title. Because I thought I liked it better. Making Up Your Mind, It's first of all, that's kind of like the phrase. Yeah. And it's shorter, right? It's only going to be four words rather than five. And everyone loved it, and then, including myself, and then I had to actually realize that was the wrong title, and I had to put in the word own, and I can explain that to you if you're interested. Yeah. And, and it took me a while to convince, uh, Princeton University Press is about to publish that, and it took a while to convince them, because they're like, we love making up your mind. But the book is about education. It's not about deciding, it's about kind of education. And a lot of people out there believe that educators have an agenda, And so they're going to tell you what to think rather than what I believe is important, which is how to think. And so that's why that word own is really important in this book, because it's making up your own mind. You, as the learner, are going to create yourself, and it's not going to be by me telling you how to be. I'm going to offer you ways of living and ways of thinking, and then you make up your own mind. Right. So own is a critical word in there. It's a critical word in there. And did you read the subtitle? Thinking effectively through creative puzzle solving. Yes. We've talked about that a lot before. And we've tried to exemplify that (laughs) to varying degrees of success in our uh, podcast history of puzzlers here. What I'm curious, what what prompted you or what kind of scooted you into writing? You've written books before, but why this book now? Uh, A few things. First of all, the book is is based on this course that that we've talked about, effective thinking through creative puzzle solving, and so in some sense, it allows the reader or listener to to experience a little bit of that course. But I open up with a with a few very very short essays about my philosophy about thinking and learning and formal education, which has really been inspired by my colleagues and the Southwestern University uh, community. And so, in some sense, it's a little Valentine to the amazing stuff that that we've all been working on together, and the points of pride that I think are interesting and distinctive that other people within education or beyond might be interested in. So, so that was kind of where it came from, and you know. 
presidenting takes up all your time. But this is a mindful way to escape. So this was kind of my pleasurable escape to have fun and be mindful and relax and, and think about the joy of some of the great accomplishments we've made and this course that I really enjoy. It's relaxing to write a book. Oh, my goodness. Of course. <laughs> that seems shocking to you? It Well, yes, because it would seem to me like it would be hard work and stressful and kind of nose to the grindstone because aren't there well, like deadlines and things like that? Well, you know, uh, OK, so to be to be truthful, I've been you know, I've been doing this for I mean, you know, 30 some odd years I've been in this in this uh, world. Uh, and so I've written a bunch of stuff. Early on, when I first started writing it, it, it was a little bit stressful and daunting. Will, will anyone publish it? Now it's kind of the opposite. I, I have, I'm, I'm so fortunate that I have uh, publishers and people that just come to me and say, what do you want to publish with us? And, and you know, just write it and we'll do it. So given your lengthy career in academia, yes. how did you choose what material to put in here, what puzzles to put, like, how do you decide that? So I've been teaching this course at Southwestern, you know, which, which I talk about in the book as the Seinfeld of the curriculum, because it's about nothing and tries to teach everything. <laughs> There's no short-term content. It is all based on long-term practices of thinking and, and living. So the puzzles themselves are irrelevant and they're not important. They're just a, a way, a playground to practice uh, these, these ways of thinking. Uh, and so every week I'd give my students three puzzles, an easy one, a medium one, and a really, really hard one. Mm. And, and over the years that I've been teaching the course, I've been fine-tuning those puzzles, seeing what students are drawn to, which ones they hate, which ones they love, which ones they have struggled with, but are so happy to get the answer. And, and that kind of uh, framed the, the puzzles that, we include, that I include in the, in the book, yeah. Have we done any of those puzzlers on the podcast? Absolutely. Uh, a few of them. I mean, and, and actually, I, I've kind of um, liberated them the reverse. They, they were in the course. And in moments of desperation, when I knew that you and I were getting together to tape some episodes and I had nothing at hand, I would just steal a few. So a few of them all will be familiar to our listeners, but most of them actually will not be. First of all, a number of them are visual, and we tend to, to avoid the visual ones. It's a little tougher. It's to a do little tough. The theater of the mind, but we've done that in the past too, by the way. Um, and so, so most of them will be new to our to our listeners, but a couple of them will be familiar. But but as I even mentioned in the book, the point is not the puzzle. Right. The point is practice thinking. So I even say, if you've seen some of these puzzles before, I mean, these are puzzles that have been out for a while. I've recasted them, but they're they're puzzles that that exist. It's not to solve the puzzle. The point of this is to practice a way of thinking. Thinking through the puzzle, even after you solved it, keep thinking about the puzzle until you see it in a different way. All right. So that makes me think about the puzzler that we have on the table. which The you, riddle. It's a riddle. And you said it was one that you did not get when Why you, do you first have to rub it? that in? Why do you I'm want to rub rubbing, that in? I'm mentioning it. I'm uh, not rubbing mm -hmm. it in. Yes. Um, That's true. So remind I us what cheat. the puzzler is. And then we'll kind of, we'll puzzle through it together and see what we get. Okay, uh, that is completely fair. So this riddle, which I was not able to figure out, is the following. A sundial is a timepiece that has the fewest number of moving parts because there are no moving parts on a um, sundial. Right, it's just the one piece of... Right, exactly. So the challenge is, which timepiece has the most moving parts? All right, and you're when you were working through this one previously, you said Big Ben. 
I was thinking something like, with, with a lot of gears right, and things. Right, majestic and, clock tower. Exactly, lots of, parts. lots of parts. But you said that's actually not the correct answer. No, not, no. So I came at it from a totally different way because my answer is I'm thinking, so sundial is one piece, but what are some other ways that, you know, things we need to tell time? So I said sun. Right. And the Earth, right. because you know, rotating and all of it, exactly, evolving. Right. Those are moving. So, they're both and there, moving. There are tons of moving parts on Earth. So I thought I could get away with saying Earth because there's like oh, billions because, and billions, and because of all the intricacies of things that move. Like you and I are moving on right. the Earth, so all, we're, we're moving parts. Everything on the Earth would count yeah. as a moving. Part I would of count Earth. that as two, though. As See, yeah, you yeah, would count right. Earth and Sun. Earth and Sun does a two move, and they both move. They right. both move. See, I would so, count Earth as its own timepiece with billions of moving right. parts. But I'm not. I'm, not Trillions. sensing that that's correct either. No, no, no. because okay. you can't you can't look at me and tell what time it is. <laughs> no, but Earth, yeah, Earth plays a role in sort of how we experience time. But yeah, that doesn't really hold no. together either. No. So is this is it like a pun on timepiece? No, this is no? a real question. Okay. No, no, this is a real question with a real answer. And and like I told you, I think last week uh, when I when I read the answer because I had a cheat, uh, I got really mad. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not say a Rolex watch it's not it's, I thought of that too right so a very expensive right. watch without that a battery I think would have tons of little gadgets and, and gears, gears and and that's why I thought Big Ben because that, yeah it's exactly so you're thinking and my thinking uh, are now aligned. they're converging but we're not getting no, anywhere you're off so by a factor can, um, any hint possible here <clears throat> oh sure you want a hint sure okay uh, let me see well what what kind of things are small if it's going to have a lot of moving parts, then there might be some small parts to it. What's the smallest thing you can think of? A and, cell? and by the way, well, okay, don't go crazy. Uh, think, think Earth. I mean, you were thinking about Earth. And oh, moving okay. Things well, I mean, you know, computer chips are really small. So let's think of things that were not um, made by human beings. Not made by human beings. Fossils. Some, um, so smaller than fossils. So think of things that are smaller than fossils. It's not a cell, and it's not no, a No, cell's fossil. too small. Cell is yeah. too small. Okay, that's a little... It's you can see fossil. these things. A human we is a timepiece with the most moving parts, because mm. you can gauge time by how old a person gets. No, no, no. We are too big. <laughs> and we are actually... We are made by human beings, actually. I said <sighs> things that aren't made by human beings. All it right. turns out you're I can gonna, prove that we are made by human gonna beings. You're going to have to spill the beans here, because okay, we're going to be at this all day. Let me give you one last hint to okay. see if you can get this. So you would find these things, these small things, yeah. if you were near a coast. Shells. No, smaller than that. Where would you find a shell? Sand. Grains of sand. So grains of sand. That's the answer. Well, what is it? What? What? T- oh, one of those damn <laughs> language. You know. Wait a minute. There are children listening to this. <laughs> You're telling me the answer is one of those glass an, timers. An with hourglass. A- no, that <laughs> is so wrong. That can't be right. How is because it's see got how all mad you are. Sand. Look I'm how mad so you mad. are. It's because it I'm has just... all the grains of sand in it, and those yes. count, and they move. They're moving because oh, they move through. They move. That they're is moving. so unfair. But it's great. It's, it's true. great and it's unfair. That's how that so, was my attitude. In your book, making <laughs> up your mind, thinking effectively through creative puzzle solving, do you address puzzles? You know, do you address the process when you are have a heightened emotional response to the process of trying to I do talk solve? about I do talk about frustration. I will say that I'm embarrassed to say since you're mentioning this book that's about to come out that the truth was I saw this puzzle 
and I thought about my guess, and I immediately went to the answer and saw the the correct answer. And and what I was really frustrated about was that I did not practice what I preached, which really is to take time and really think deeply. And if you start to think deeply, then you can start to put together. I mean, you figured it out. You know, I gave you a little hint, but I mean, you were able to then kind of put the pieces together. That's the point of the, of the book: is to how do you put the pieces together without the hints? And that's something you can do if you have the mindful ability to to take the time to think about it. Time and practice. And practice. It's a practice. Exactly. Because it seems to me that, you know, over the years of doing the podcast and starting to think about this, I find myself, when it comes to the puzzler, I'm getting a little better to sort of stopping and saying, okay, wait a minute. What's, what's on the table here? What are the things I have to work with? You know, we had one not long ago about a, a room and a dragon <laughs> that breathes fire and a glass room where you could singe. And I came up with this really fanciful long answer about it. letting the dragon into the room to get singed. And I remember that's that. not really logical and didn't really work, well, but it, it I had to sort of stop and think about all the big pieces together. Yeah, it's clever. And I, I like that that thinking effectively through creative puzzle solving kind of gets us on the road to do that. Yeah, that's right. And, and 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 of course, the important thing here, which I hope is not lost, is that these puzzles, of course, do not matter, but the practices do. And there are puzzles in our everyday lives. There are puzzles in our professional lives, in our personal lives. A lot of times people cast them in a negative light, call them problems. But the truth is, life is just one puzzle after another. And the more we practice puzzle solving on these whimsical ones, the more we can apply those exact same practices to the more serious and important ones to make, make better decisions, to have deeper thoughts, and to have greater understanding. Well, and maybe if we think of some of those situations as puzzles, we might be able to sit with them a little better. And longer. And longer than thinking of them as some critical thing that needs an answer right away. That's exactly right. Being mindful and taking some time to reflect can be the most powerful way to think more effectively. And, and by the way, we, we did an episode a, a few weeks back on how people promote themselves. And, and yeah, the it was about the promotional, there's a concept of the promotional intellectual. Yeah, so I, I feel a little bad, a little <laughs> awful here, but you're promoting my book, which I appreciate. Um, and if I may promote that actually uh, coming up, uh, on November 15th, I'm going to be doing a book signing at Book People right here in Austin. All are welcome, and that's going to be at 7 o'clock on uh, November 15th. So if people come that night, are you going to let us do a little group, like some maybe some solving? I'm actually thinking about uh, sharing a, a fun visual puzzle and letting people see what does it mean to change. And they'll see the puzzle one way. And then by the end of the evening, they're going to look at the thing completely differently and they say, wow, I had an aha moment. Well, Dr. Ed Berger, thank you for helping us have aha moments. <laughs> Dr. Ed Berger is president of Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas. You can find out more at southwestern.edu. And you can always keep your brain busy by keeping up with the news and other episodes of Higher Ed at KUT.org. You can also find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jennifer Staten, KUT News. Jennifer.